Welcome to the Oasis Church Podcast. We're so glad that you joined us today. And if you're joining us today, this is going to look a little different than it normally does because we're in the middle of a series called At The Movies. And because of copyright laws, we aren't able to stream our services or replay them. You have to be in person uh, in order to see that. But if you're here, we're not going to leave you empty handed. We've been going through a series called Stop The Cycle. And we're going to listen to the final installment of that series today. hope that you've been encouraged. I hope you've learned how you can stop the cycle in your life. So listen to this today and be encouraged. We started this series called Stop the Cycle. And uh, today we're going to wrap that up a little bit. We're going to talk about uh, how what should our response be when we are stuck in this cycle. No matter where you are, you can have this response. But as I begin to prepare about this, I thought about a story um, on September 6th. 2018. You probably don't remember that date if I just said it out loud to you, but it was a very uh, sad, sad day in a family. You see, there was a law enforcement officer. She had just got done with a 13 and a half hour shift in the uh, Dallas Police Department. She goes home and all of a sudden she goes inside of her apartment and she sees that someone else is in there. And she's a law enforcement officer. She draws her weapon. She says, show me your hands, show me your hands, show me your hands. And this person uh, that she was seeing in the apartment was so confused and, and didn't really know what was going on. And all of a sudden, this police officer shoots and kills what she thinks to be a, a, a thief, someone breaking into her apartment. And a few moments after she did this, she realized that she wasn't in her apartment. She actually went to the wrong apartment and ended up killing the man, Botham John's his name, that lived there. And all he was trying to do was just have a bowl of ice cream, they say. And this thing goes to court, and uh, it took about a year for this whole thing to play out. And I remember uh, seeing something about this in the news a little bit, but I, I wasn't keeping up with it. I didn't really pay much attention to it, to be honest with you. And uh, I remember feeling just sad when I saw this news story come across and just like, man, that is so unfortunate. But then um, I began to think, like, what would it be like to be in Botham's family in this story? Your son, if I was his dad, your, your son has just been killed in his own home for doing nothing, from a dumb mistake. You never get to see him again at Thanksgiving. You never get to see him again at Christmas. He won't have any more birthdays. He's not going to have grandkids, or he's not going to have kids and give you grandkids. What if you're his brother, this person you grew up with your whole life, and in a moment, is taken from you like that? I can imagine this family just being irate, right? I can imagine this family being so angry. And, uh, and all of a sudden, they go to trial. The person that shot him is convicted of murder. And at the, the day of this person's sentencing, the family has a chance to speak to this law enforcement officer who killed their son, who killed uh, his brother, right? And all of a sudden... Botham's brother gets up on the stand and says something that kind of shocks everybody. 
I've seen these play out before on YouTube, and I've seen these play out uh, in different cases like this. And typically, this is a time where the family can just let you have it one more time, let you know just how bad you hurt me. I hope you rot in jail. I've heard that before, watching YouTube videos and doing all these things. But Botham's brother gets up, and he does something different. And his response, I watched it today as I was preparing for this, and I, I was sitting in Starbucks crying. I mean, tears rolling down my face. I probably looked like an idiot in there, but it, it's very, very moving. I want you to check out his response right now. If you truly are sorry, I know I can speak for myself. I, I forgive you. And I know if you go to God and ask him, he will forgive you. And I don't think anyone could say it. Again, I'm speaking for myself, not even bad for my family. But I love you just like anyone else. And I'm not gonna say I hope you rot and die just like my brother did, but I see I I personally want the best for you. And I, I wasn't gonna ever say this in front of my family or anyone, but I don't even want you to go to jail. I want the best for you. Because I know that's what that's exactly what both of them would want you to do. And the best would be give your life to Christ. Again, I love you as a person and I don't wish anything bad on you I don't know if this is possible but can, can I give her a hug please please yes Isn't that powerful? And if you're not crying right now, I just want to let you know, you do not have a soul, okay? Uh, I remember, I won't forget the first time. I was like, I, the first time I watched it, I'm like, Steph, you have to come see this. This is incredible. And it's so inspiring because people know that that should be our response, right? Deep down in your soul, you know that that's how you want people to respond to you when you hurt them. And you know that's how you should respond when, you, when, when somebody hurts you. And he sets a perfect example of what it looks like to stop the cycle. Now, that doesn't mean that he's not dealing with hurt. That doesn't mean that, that what happened to him hasn't impacted him in a negative way because I'm telling you, it probably has. He's probably had to go to counseling, all these things. But you know what? He's not caught up in the cycle that we've been talking about. He was hurt, but it stopped there because he chose to forgive. He chose to love.
And that's what stopping the cycle means. If you look at the cycle, it starts with this. It starts with you being hurt. Somebody attacks you. Someone says something to you. Something's done to you, right? And you get attacked. And then it hurts you. And sometimes those are out of our control. Some, it might be your parents. They said something to you. They've done something to you when you were a kid. And you couldn't help it, right? You're hurt. But then we can easily let that turn into being offended. And we talked about how being offended is a choice, and it's always rooted in entitlement. And so the answer for being, being offended is to just humble yourself, to be honest with you. But most of the time we blow right by being offended, and we go straight to being angry. And angry, we talked about how it, the Bible doesn't say it's bad to feel anger, but it is bad to be angry and to where we cross the line with how we're thinking about people. Uh, and especially if it causes us to enter into the last part of the cycle, which is attacking. Because an attack is the fruit of anger. When our anger gets out of control, we attack, we lash out, we say something back, we do something back, we get revenge, right? We do these things and none of those things are from God. But Botham's brother never let that get to him. It's so powerful. And I just want to let you know, God wants the same thing for you. And so we've been talking about this family in the Bible over the course of this whole message series. We've been talking about Joseph's family and not like Jesus' dad, Joseph, but Joseph from the Old Testament. And uh, if you just bear with me, I'm going to do a whole lot of storytelling because we haven't got into much of Joseph's story after his brother sold him into slavery. So I'm going to tell you this story. I'm going to skim over it, and I'm going to tell you all the details you need to know, and we're going to wrap up this whole thing at the end. And so if you don't know, if you haven't been with us the last few weeks, here's a couple things I want you to know about Joseph. Joseph had a lot of brothers, okay? He had 11 other brothers, actually. So Joseph's dad uh, had all these sons, right? But Joseph was his dad's favorite son. He gave him a special coat. He treated him differently. He probably got uh, the nicest things. He probably got a little bit of extra allowance. You know, he, he had all the favoritism from his dad. But the brothers, Joseph's other brothers, hated him because of this. The Bible tells us they hated him so much they couldn't even say a nice word to Joseph. It was impossible. They couldn't stand him and they were hurt because Joseph's dad loved him more than they loved the brothers. So the brothers were hurt and they get caught up in this cycle. Well, Joseph, he was a teenager. We all know teenagers, are, they can be kind of stupid, to be honest with you. They don't have whatever the ability is to like filter things, you know? So Joseph's a teenager, regular guy. Joseph has this dream one night. And he has this dream that him and his brothers, they're bundling up grain. And all of a sudden, all of the brothers' grain stands up and they bow down to Joseph's bundle of grain. Well, Joseph wakes up and he's like, brothers, you're not going to believe this. I had this dream last night and it showed that your bundles of grain were bowing down to my bundles of grain. Well, good night. If they didn't hate him before, they hated him big time now. And they were like, you think we're going to bow down to you? Are you kidding me? You're the little brother. We're not going to do that. And they get offended, right? And we talked about that last week. And that quickly turns into anger. The Bible says they hated him even more. Well, the next night, Joseph goes to sleep. And all of a sudden, he has another dream. 
And he, and this time, not only uh, were, were Joseph and the brothers uh, bowing down to him, but all of the stars and the moon was bowing down to Joseph. Well, Joseph wakes up again, and he tells his brothers, hey, you're, I had the same dream again, except this time all the stars are bowing down to me, and the moon is bowing down to me. Can you believe it? That's amazing. And again, he didn't have this filter thing worked out, right? And all of a sudden, Joseph's brothers couldn't take it anymore. They were like, I literally hate this guy. I can't stand him. I don't want him to talk to me anymore. And the Bible says they hated him even more. If it was even possible to hate him more, they hated him more. Well, Joseph's brothers, they took care of daddy's flock, right? They had all the sheep. And uh, all of a sudden, they go out of town to take care of these sheep, to get them fed, to buy supplies, do all these things. And Joseph's dad looks at Joseph and says, Joseph, why don't you go find your brothers? I want you to check in on them, check in on the flocks, and I want you to come back and give a report to me and let me know how everybody's doing, all that kind of stuff, right? So Joseph's like, yes, sir, I'm going to go do that for you. He leaves. And don't forget, brothers hate Joseph. I mean, they couldn't hate him more. All of a sudden, Joseph can see the flocks in the distance. He can see the brothers in the distance. But the brothers can see Joseph, and they immediately recognize him. And it was because he was wearing uh, the coat that dad gave to him. And all of a sudden, while he was still a long way off, the brothers get together like, hey, we're going to end this dude right now. Y'all with me? And the brother's like, yeah, yeah, that dreamer, he's got nothing, right? We're going to kill him. And all of a sudden, they plan to kill Joseph and throw him in one of the cisterns that's near them. And so they they get all riled up. They're excited about it. And all of a sudden, Reuben, he's the oldest brother, he comes and he's like, hey, guys, listen, I, I don't like him either, right? I can't stand Joseph, but do you really think killing him is the answer? How about instead of us killing him, let's just throw him in one of these pits, one of these cisterns around here, and let's let him die by natural causes. That way the blood isn't really on our hands. You know what I'm saying? And, but Reuben, he had a kind of secret plan. He was going to come back and rescue Joseph later. And the brother's like, okay, I think that makes sense, right? We're not going to kill him. We're just going to throw him in this pit, and then he'll die naturally. Sounds great. So that Joseph comes along, they tear off Joseph's special little robe, then all of a sudden they throw him down into one of these pits, into one of the cisterns. And they get up like nothing ever happened. They sit down and they try to, they start having a meal together. They start eating dinner. And all of a sudden, in the distance, they see a caravan coming their way. And they knew these guys, they're traitors. They're 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 slave traders, right? And they start devising another plan, like, hey, what if we sell Joseph into slavery? They'll take him to Egypt, we'll make some money, and we'll never have to deal with this guy again because we hate him, right? And so that's exactly what they do. They get Joseph out of the pit, they sell him to the slave traders, they make 20 pieces of silver, they split it up among them, and then they dip Joseph's robe into some animal blood, and they tell Dad, like, hey, Dad, I'm so sorry. We found this on our way back home. I think a wild animal killed your favorite son. He killed Joseph. And so they set up this whole thing, and all of a sudden, Joseph has been attacked, right? He's been attacked, and now he's faced with a choice. Do I let this offend me? Do I let this set me back? Do I let this take control of my life. But Joseph never falls into the cycle. So Joseph, he gets sold into slavery. 
He gets to Egypt, and all of a sudden, a guy named Potiphar buys Joseph to be one of the slaves in his household. And so Potiphar, he buys Joseph, and Joseph is the man. Joseph's a stud. Joseph is a leader. He gets stuff done. He has initiative. He does things with excellence. And he is an amazing, amazing young man. And soon, Potiphar starts seeing this slave. He's like, man, this guy, this Joseph right here, he's awesome. He does everything I asked him to do. He does even more than that. He takes care of everything. I like this guy. So he gets to know Joseph a little bit. And before you know it, Joseph is Potiphar's right-hand man. And Potiphar, man, Potiphar was a big deal in Egypt. He was, he was buddies with Pharaoh. He had, a, he had a lot of responsibility. He had a lot of money. He probably had a huge house. He probably had all kinds of resources. And he had a lot of stuff going on in his life. He was a busy man. And the Bible tells us that Joseph had favor. God was with Joseph. Joseph had favor. And all of a sudden, Potiphar makes Joseph in command of everything that he owned. The Bible says this. So Potiphar gave complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, I love this. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food to eat. That's what I'm talking about. That's a true leader right there. I think that's awesome. Joseph was very handsome and a well-built young man. I'd imagine he probably looks a lot like me. That's just me. That's what I think. But so Joseph was doing an amazing job. Potiphar sees the slave, and all of a sudden, Joseph becomes a big man on campus. He's not even really slave status anymore. He's just straight up like this dude's CEO, running the show, right, every day. But that last verse tells us that he was a handsome dude. He was built, man. He was, he was strong. And the ladies liked him. One of the ladies that liked him was Potiphar's wife. And let me tell you, Potiphar's wife was an evil, evil woman. And so here's Joseph. He's not done anything wrong. He's been sold into slavery. He's worked his way up. He's doing an amazing job. All of a sudden, Potiphar's wife looks at him and like, okay, you're looking fine, man. Like, you're looking good. So Potiphar's wife comes up to him, and she asks him, she asks him over and over, hey, Come on, let's get together. Let's, let's sleep together. Potiphar will never know, right? Like, we can get, I won't tell. Like, we can get away with it, right? And Joseph looks at her, and he says, hey, listen, your husband has trusted me with all this stuff, and the only thing he's kept from me is you. I am not about to sin against God and ruin the trust that I have with Potiphar. And he turns her down. Well, this made Potiphar's wife real mad, like really mad. And so one day, Joseph goes into work, He's minding his own business. He's doing his thing, but he's alone. And all of a sudden, Potiphar's wife comes in the room. The Bible says that she grabbed his garment, and, and Joseph freaked out and just ran away immediately. But the problem was she was still holding on to his garment, and he fled, and the garment stayed in her hand. He ran away, and she had his garment in her hand. He refused to sin against God. He refused to, to, to lose his trust with Pharaoh. And all of a sudden, Potiphar's wife gets this idea. It's like, well, he won't sleep with me. Here's what I'm going to do. And so she calls a servant in and fabricates this whole story about how Joseph tried to come onto her and tried to rape her. And all of a sudden, Potiphar gets word. He comes home, and he is beyond furious, just like you would be, right? Beyond furious. 
and they throw Joseph into not just jail, they throw Joseph into Pharaoh's jail. Pharaoh's jail was like under the dungeon. You know what I'm saying? Like it was terrible, terrible, terrible place to be. And all of a sudden, Joseph's life ends up in another pit. Joseph's life did not go the way that he planned. Just when he thought that he was the favorite again, just when God started to use him again, he gets put back into the pit and he didn't do anything wrong. He was hurt again, accused of something he didn't do. And now he's paying for it in prison. But Joseph never got stuck in the cycle. You see, Joseph always found a way to heal. Joseph never got angry. He never hurt somebody else. He never did those things. He never got stuck in the cycle. And so you fast forward a little bit. He's been in jail. And all of a sudden, the warden of the jail looks at Joseph. Same thing with Potiphar, right? The warden looks at Joseph like, man, this dude is awesome. He does everything we ask him to do. He does it with excellence. He makes sure the dudes he's working with are doing a great job too. And he notices the same qualities that Potiphar noticed in him. And before you know it, Joseph is put in charge of all the prisoners in the prison, and he's a prisoner himself. The Bible says this, Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. The warden had no worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. He caused everything he did to succeed. I want to tell you right now, for some of you, you may have recently been hurt. You may have been carried around. A lot of this hurt, and you feel like you're, you're stuck in the cycle. And I want to let you know that God can use you even when you're hurt. God can still be with you even when you're hurt. God is with you when you're in this prison. God is with you when you're in the pit, and he can show favor on you. You can still have the abundant life that God has for you. But it takes you choosing to not be a victim of your circumstances. It takes you choosing forgiveness. It takes you choosing humility sometimes. It takes you choosing to not attack even when you're angry. But when we do those things, God is with us. And God's hand is on your life. So it doesn't matter your environment right now. You could be in the prison or you can be in the palace. God can be with you right now. So if you're stuck in this cycle, you can choose right now to stop. And I'm telling you, everything in your life can change, even if your environment doesn't change. So Joseph, he becomes in charge of this prison. And all of a sudden, Pharaoh, like the king, right, most powerful man in the world at the time, he starts having crazy dreams. And he keeps having them and he can't sleep. And he's trying to do everything he can to figure out, like, okay, what do these dreams mean, right? Well, Joseph had a reputation. He knew about dreams. He had dreams. Remember, that's how this whole thing started. Joseph had the gift of interpreting dreams. Word gets to Pharaoh. Hey, there's this guy in the prison over here, and he's really good at it. Maybe you should give him a try. And so Joseph goes, and he, he hears out Pharaoh's dreams, and he tells Pharaoh, okay, here's what the dreams mean. You're going to have seven years, and you're going to have great harvest. But then you're going to have seven years of great famine. And you need to prepare right now so that you can make it through the seven years of famine. 
And so he interprets this dream, and Pharaoh is beside himself. Pharaoh's like, hey, you're the man. You're going to prepare us for, the, you're going to prepare us for this famine, right? Like, you're going to be the guy. And wouldn't you know it, that after he had been accused of something he didn't do, he gets put in prison. He works his way up to the top. All of a sudden, he gets free from prison, and he gets put in charge, second in command over all of Egypt. I'm telling you, when you choose to not get stuck in this cycle, anything's possible. I know that right now you might be hurt. You might be thinking, there's no way, Clint. Like, you don't understand what's happened to me. It's, I, I should be angry, right? Like, I should be doing these things. And I want to tell you that you're entitled to do whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. But when you choose to live God's way, it's freeing. The possibilities are endless when we choose to live the way that God wants us to live. Just like Joseph, he chose to not get stuck in the cycle. He chose to forgive. He chose to be the best version of himself that he could be. And it showed. He was successful in everything that he did. So Joseph, he's now second in command over all of Egypt. Dude, never has to work another day in his life. He's rich. He's got influence. The Pharaoh, I mean, is the only person over him in the whole world is Pharaoh. And Joseph gets put in charge of managing all the food during this famine. Well, wouldn't you know it, the famine starts just like Joseph said it would. And all of a sudden, the famine spreads. It spreads. It goes beyond Egypt. And it reaches the home of Joseph's father and his brothers. And the father looks at the brothers and he says, Hey, y'all got to go to Egypt to get some food or we ain't going to make it. Like, we're going to die. So the brothers... They load everything up, they hop on their donkeys, and they start the long, long trip over to Egypt, and they get to Egypt. And wouldn't you know it, they have to come face to face with the one that they thought they would never see again. And the Bible says that Joseph immediately recognized his brothers, but the brothers had no clue who this guy in front of them was. But the brothers, they come into this guy's presence. This guy, Joseph, he's important, right? And they don't know it's Joseph, and they bow down before Joseph. And all of a sudden, Joseph's dream is coming true right before his eyes. And so Joseph has a choice in this moment. These guys who sold me into slavery, I never got to have a normal life. I was put in prison. I was in the Pharaoh's prison. I was forgotten about. I was lied about. All these things. These people are responsible for it. Joseph has the opportunity to think that. He could literally snap his fingers and have them beheaded if he wanted to. But Joseph has a little bit of a sense of humor. All right, and so he messes with the brothers for a little bit. You can read about it in the Bible. It's actually pretty funny. He throws one of them in prison for a few days uh, and just messing with them. He actually frames them for a robbery. Just to me- It was all in good fun, right? Uh, and then they ended up coming back over to Joseph, and Joseph finally says, he orders everybody out of the room, and it's just Joseph and his brothers. His brothers have no idea that that's Joseph. And all of a sudden, the Bible says that, that Joseph reveals his identity to him, and it says, the Bible actually says the brothers are speechless. They don't even know what to say. And all of a sudden, Joseph starts to weep. I mean, he was weeping so loudly that people in Egypt, like outside of the palace could hear them just crying and weeping. 
And I can imagine just being there in this moment. Your life has had this crazy journey, and it was all because of these brothers. And most people with this power, with this authority, would hurt the people that caused all, these pain, all this pain. I think all of us would agree that Joseph had every right to attack. Joseph had every right to hurt his brothers in this moment. But he chooses a different way. He chooses to see things a different way. The Bible says this. Here's what he told him. Joseph looked at his brothers and he said, You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so that I could save the lives of many people. And actually what he does, Joseph actually moves his entire family, his dad, his brothers, everybody in Egypt, that he gives them more food than they could ever eat during a famine. And he chooses to forgive, and he chooses to not get stuck in the cycle. I want to let you know, you can make the same decision no matter how bad you've been hurt. You can make the same decision to not get stuck in the cycle. You can stop it right now. You can choose, I'm not going to let this offend me. I'm not going to get angry. I'm not going to live angry. I'm not going to attack back. I'm going to forgive. I'm going to love. I'm going to do those things because I'm telling you right now, when we do that, God starts to redeem what's been broken. God starts to mend together what's been torn apart. God begins to restore relationships. And so if you've been hurt in your marriage, and maybe your spouse has been unfaithful to you. Maybe you're going through a lot right now and you have every right to attack back. You have every right to leave. You have every right to not fight for your marriage. I want to tell you right now, God can restore it. And when we choose not to get stuck in the cycle, God can restore it because there's power in forgiveness. There's power in supernatural love. There is power when we choose to do these things. Your story can be the inspirational story that we read about in Joseph, that we see with Botham's brother like we did at the beginning of this message. God can redeem anything, but you play a part. You have to choose. Man, what are you going to do? Are you going to get stuck in this endless cycle that I'm, I'm convinced is only brought on by the devil? Or are you going to do something that, that is different, that, that is a little weird, that might be a little awkward, but is rewarding and that shows the love of Jesus? What are you going to do? The Bible says this, that the thief, he only comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. This cycle is a product of that. The enemy is coming, the Bible says he's, he's prowling around like a roaring lion looking for someone to attack, looking for someone to devour. And I'm telling you, when we choose to attack, we're never more like the devil than when we choose to attack. But we're never more like Jesus than when we choose to forgive. The devil, that's all he wants to do. He wants to steal, he wants to kill and destroy. And when you stay in this cycle, that's what your life looks like. He's stealing your joy. He's killing the thing inside of you that people love so much, your personality. He's destroying things in your life. But Jesus says, but I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. You don't have to stay in the cycle, guys. You can experience freedom. 
You can experience the abundant life that God has for you. You can experience that right now. This isn't just a frou-frou thing. It's not just for other people. It's for you. And I'm going to tell you, I love Joseph's perspective. He says, what you intended to harm me, God intended for good. And I'll tell you, it says this in Romans chapter 8. I love this version of this verse. It says, so we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives. For we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his designed purpose. I'm convinced that every detail of my life has been used. It's been woven together in God's perfect plan. What if God is trying to use this hurt for good? I'm telling you, if you get stuck in the cycle, he will not use it for good. It's being used against you. It's stealing from you. It's killing you. It's destroying you. But when we choose to give that up, we can see that God can take your deepest hurt and he can turn it into your greatest ministry. Man, those of you that have maybe been abused growing up and you have a long history of that and it's really messed you up over the years. You can have healing from that. And guess what? You can help other people that are being abused. Maybe you've struggled with depression or anxiety and you've had suicidal thoughts and you've gone through some really dark days. Guess what? you got to get healed from that because people that are depressed, anxious, suicidal, they need to hear that someone made it out and that their life looks drastically different because Jesus intervened into it. God can take every detail, even the hurt, even the offense, even the anger, even the attacks, and he can weave them into something that's beautiful and great, just like he did with Joseph. What you intended to hurt me, God turned it into good. And that same thing is true for you. What has been intended to hurt you, God intends to use that for good in your life. But you have to choose, am I going to do this God's way or am I going to do this my way? Am I going to continue to get stuck in this cycle or am I going to forgive? Am I going to get the help I need? Am I going to be a peaceful person, not an angry person? You have to choose. What are you going to do? And I'm telling you, God's way is so much better. You know, I think there are some people watching that you've been doing it your way. Your whole life you've been doing it your way. And I don't need to tell you that that's not working out very well. You need God. You need to do God. You need to do life God's way. And you're continually trying to fill this hole in your heart with other things. Doing it your way. Doing the things you want to do. And it's not working. And you go to bed at night and you're not fulfilled. Because you know something's not right in here. I'm going to tell you tonight, today, right now, you're listening to this. You can make the decision to follow Jesus. And he is the only thing that can fill that void in your life. He is the only answer. So tonight, I want to invite you to do that. If you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life and choose to do life God's way, 
this is for you. I'm gonna ask you to pray this prayer. There's nothing magical about the words, uh, but it's all about the heart. So if you wanna make that decision, I wanna invite you, you can say this, say, dear God, I need you. I know I've messed up and I can't do this on my own. God, come into my life. I invite you in. And in the best way I know how, I will live for you. In Jesus' name, amen.